Hi there, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. If you're new to this podcast, congratulations, you are on your way. This frequency helps you connect with your universal wisdom, high realms and dimensions. It was the great Nikola Tesla that once said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency and vibration. And I feel as if this quote relates a lot to this episode and my next guest. And if you tune in, listen to the episode in its entirety, you will completely understand what I'm talking about. Another quote from Nikola Tesla. Yes, I am a Nikola Tesla fan. I am in love with a dead man, but a great man at that and one that will live on forever. Here's one. Here's a, here's a good one. This one's a shout out to Elon Musk. I don't care that they stole my idea. I care that they don't have any of their own. And I'll finish it off with this quote. There's just so many quotes to to express, to communicate to the listeners about Nikola Tesla, the man of my dreams. My brain is only a receiver. In the universe, there is a core from which we obtain knowledge, strength, and inspiration. I've not penetrated into the secrets of this core, but I know that it exists. It's a shame he's dead because we would have had beautiful children maybe in the next life. But on a serious note, this is an important episode and I feel as if it resonates for those who are having suicidal thoughts, perhaps experiencing depression, or even just for those that are intrigued by electromagnetic fields of consciousness, universal and divine. So please sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Joining me for this episode is Neil Elliott, all the way in Canada from the West Coast, British Columbia, Vancouver. He is the author of A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spirituality, which is a personal memoir and a story of enlightenment. And before we divulge into your journey and your insightful novel, how is everything in your part of the world? Oh, you know, I think, um, yeah, we have our own little struggles with we had, uh, you know, some political stuff in the capital, you know, truckers clogging up lines and stuff like that. I, it's probably not much different. Canada is doing fairly well, I think. I think everybody is, um, you know, uh, each province has its own guidelines. BC has been very good uh, in terms of things that it's doing. So I think we're making it through the pandemic and, uh things will get better and actually good things will come out of the pandemic. So uh, I know people, um, you know, have struggled through this and it's quite a change for things, but um, what it, I think what it's done for some people is for them to step back and kind of look at their lives and f kind of sort through whether what they've been doing is something that's really fulfilling for them or not. So, uh, yeah. you know, those people may choose to do things differently in the, in the future. And that's a good thing. I finding the positives with all of the restrictions and having to show your certificate. I'm not anti-vax, although I would be labeled that because I'm pro-choice. And, and so I haven't been going to bars, clubs, restaurants, or even buying alcohol and I'm saving money. So I'm saving money and keeping healthy. 
So it's great. Yeah, well, yeah, well congratulations. <laughs> Save you a little bit of money. And, That's uh, right. I mean, there, you Drank guys, if you drink bars. wine, you know, if you drink wine, Australia has some great <laughs> wines. So. But in saying all this, the proof of vaccine for purchasing alcohol, that's ended and quite a few businesses have actually eased off asking for your proof of vaccine. So I could end up going back to my old ways. I'm also hearing through the grapevine that we potentially may need to have another form of ID in addition to the the check-in safe apps that we have. But anyway. Yeah. We have um, all those we have all those issues in Canada as well. I mean, we have a an app on a phone that when you go into a restaurant, you need to show it oh, uh, with your same, ID. Yeah. That's yeah, it's a vaccination, you know, app. Uh, whether that goes away or not, I don't know. But uh, you know, it's it's put it this way: people in government, um, you know, had to make some hard choices, and they made the best choices they could, whether we agree with them or we don't. They're governing the country, and you know, I mean, they're trying to look out the best. Uh, in my opinion, they're trying to look out for the best of uh, society in you know, whatever decisions they make. And sometimes they work out well and sometimes they don't work out so well. And, you know, that's just part of life. Actually, also, I wanted to ask you this question before we get into your story. Are you a Nikola Tesla fan? And if you believe in the electrical universe theory? Um, I don't really know what, I'm not familiar with that. Electrical so, universe or yeah, Nikola yeah, Tesla? I'm not, I'm not. Oh, I know Nikola Tesla. I don't know the um, what the elect, the universe that you're talking about. Oh, okay. Electrical universe. So basically, Tesla believed that electricity powered the universe and could power our physical and external realities, and everything in the universe is electricity, as is on Earth. Uh, in the universe, there's plasma, and it's all about cosmology. And in your novel, you mention electromagnetic fields and how it's all connected with divine and universal consciousness. And so, yes. Oh, uh, we're going to talk about that today. Yes. I, <laughs> so I thought I would ask you about that because that I'm really interested in that. And I started to think, hmm, I wonder if he is into the electrical universe theory. Mm, it's probably um, different but similar. Okay. Knowing nothing about what you've just said. so <laughs> Okay. I think you talk a little bit about electromagnetic um, and the science between, uh, well, science that bridges spirituality in your, in your novel. Is that yep. accurate? Uh, yep. It bridges. So I'm going to tell you it bridges spirituality to science versus science to spirituality. Uh, yes. Because the only way you can come at spirituality is to um, come at it from that perspective but the science, what we know in science today, mm-hmm. enables us to have the um, confidence and the belief in these new concepts that will enable us to bridge this gap. Wonderful. Oh, I'm excited. Let's, <laughs> start, <laughs> let's start with your journey. So who you are and how you came to, to write this book. Yeah, so um, we'll do short strokes, and then if you want more information, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> just to give everybody context, uh, born in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, lived in Canada my entire life, traveled the world, uh, currently 61 years old, born in 1960. So married, second marriage, uh, first marriage, had two kids, and then I met the love of my life, and she had a child. So we got married, we have three kids together, 
and I have five grandchildren. Uh, my daughter married a Texan, and uh, all my grandchildren live in south of Houston, Texas. Um, I'm a professional engineer with an MBA, so, uh, you know, science-based. Uh, um, and I've worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 34 years, initially as an engineer, and then uh, the majority of that 34 years as a project manager, managing small projects, you know, a few hundred thousand to $100 million. So that kind of gives everybody the context of where I'm coming from when I talk about science. Mm -hmm. uh, so how did I get to write this book? Um, you know, there's a much larger story, but the short strokes are this. In, in 1990s, um, I was became curious around, I grew up agnostic. And in the 1990s, um, I was curious about spirituality. So I picked up spiritual books, you know, trying to improve myself. Positive thinking kind of came in at that time. You know, books by Wayne Dyer, Carolyn Mice, Napoleon Hill, Tony Robbins, those kinds of books. And, um, and I read them and they're all great books. And, you know, they talk about changing neural pathways and, you know, all the great stuff uh, that they taught. Um, but fundamentally, I couldn't shift how I thought it was all believable, but you know, I, I'm an engineer, so I know there's, you know, right and wrong, there's good and bad, there's true and false, you know, we can measure it, we can observe it, we can calculate it. And, um, and then in, so I dropped that as I when I went into uh, be a consultant in 2002. And then life became about work. You know, you please your clients, if you don't please your clients, and you don't deliver, you don't get repeat work. So life becomes about work, you work lots of hours, um, you don't get paid for taking time off or stat holidays or anything. So you just, you work, you work, you work. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> my wife and I, you know, we take, my wife's from Germany. Um, we would take vacations back to Europe, love going to Europe and, you know, seeing architecture, love architecture and things like that. So go to Europe and we'd have these great vacations. But essentially from 2002 to 2015, what I was doing was um, I was driving myself into this really deep and despondent uh, suicidal depression. And in 2015, you know, we're all great actors in our environment. Uh, we can, we wear this facade, we can project whatever we want to family, friends, clients, and, you know, someone that seems quite affable and kind and considerate can actually be a mess inside. And, um, you know, so my family, my friends didn't know this is where I was at, but mentally I was in this really like, what's the purpose of life? Why are we here? I make lots of money. I spend lots of money. I can't seem to get ahead. And there seemed to be no joy in life other than, you know, when I went on vacations with my wife. And um, so then I started to pick up some newly issued spiritual books at that time and read them. And again, you know, all great authors, all great processes, kind of evolved spiritual understanding, couldn't really make it work. Um, even though I grew up agnostic, I had this kind of nagging Christian doubt that if I committed suicide, I would go to hell or purgatory, wherever, wherever you go, uh, not a nice place. Mm -hmm. And I read this near death experience by a woman um, that uh, <clears throat> I had fallen into a coma. And, uh, you know, had 24 hours, uh, she was, so this woman, she was 46 at the time, she'd been suffering from this aggressive form of cancer over a four year period. And her body was riddled with tumors from her waist to her head. And um, she, her body went, weight went from a normal weight to down to 75 to 90 pounds, I can't remember the exact number. 
and she couldn't lift her head on her own. She was on oxygen 24 hours a day. So at age 46, she fell into a coma. They rushed her to the hospital. The admitting physicians told her husband and family she wouldn't make it through the night. And um, 24 hours, she woke up. 24 hours later, she woke up and she declared she'd be okay. And within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. So all medically documented, you know, um, that she had this spontaneous remission and they, you know, a, a miracle from their perspective, but all, you know, documented in, in hospital records. She came back with specific messages and, and, you know, one of them are that we're unified after death. We come from love. We return to love um, and that we're not judged no matter what we do here on earth. And that, not judged gave me permission to actually carry on to plan my suicide. So I sat down at a kitchen table, our house sold after being on the market for seven years, my wife left to visit uh, family and friends in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I sat down at a kitchen table and crafted a suicide note. Just prior to that, about a week earlier, I had just come across uh, uh, some information that promised to liberate me from my thinking. And um, I was looking for any last ditch effort to avoid the suicide, but you know, I was planning it out so that when I committed suicide, my wife would be financially okay. I would get rid of a bunch of crap I have that I no longer <laughs> didn't want to burden anybody with and um, say goodbye to family and friends without them knowing what I was doing. And so um, this information came and I decided okay, well, I'll push that out a little bit and I'll study this stuff and see if it makes a difference. If it makes a difference, great. And if it doesn't, I could always, you know, commit suicide. And um, a year later, I, I kind of woke up and realized like my depression's totally gone. I'm full of love. I'm full of peace. I had this new verve for life. I'm happy to be alive. And I knew what my true purpose in life was. I knew what everybody's true purpose in life is, but I, I know what my true purpose in life was. And, um, you know, I wanted to continue on this process. And, um, yeah, so that's how I got to where I got. And, you know, I, and it's been just this incredible spiritual awakening since then. Just wow. progresses, gets better and better. Fantastic. I just wanted to go back on to your suicide note just to understand your thoughts and feelings because you seem to be well organized and focused. You're thinking about the future of your loved ones to ensure that they are financially stable and taken care of. Are you 100% confident in the decision that you are making as you're going through this process? And how are you able to function as normal? Yeah. So, you know, a part of that was inspired by, um, and I can't remember one, but say 15, 20 years earlier, my wife read a book about, um, I think it was KPMG, which is an accounting firm in North America. Mm -hmm. um, and the head of that firm, and he was in the US, the head of that firm found out he had cancer and he had like a year to live or two years to live. And so what he decided to do was get everything in order for his family and his wife. And then he started with a really large circle of friends to say goodbye to people because it would be the last time. And then what he did is he slowly went through everybody and just shrunk the circle down to the small concentric family to say goodbye to them before he actually passed away. And that 
stuck with me in terms of if I'm going to commit suicide and do this, I know this ahead of time. They don't know that. And to try and um, not necessarily ease their burden, maybe perhaps more ease my burden, but I didn't want to leave my family in a lurch without some way of closing off those things so that at least they had a, a good memory, a, a sense of something that was, you know, hopefully ease the burden after I had committed suicide. Such rationalization. I just don't think I could function coherently in that situation. Suicide note I wrote was not necessarily as logical uh, as I'm, you know, portraying right okay. now. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. uh, Obviously. but the logic associated <laughs> with it is is okay. really more the uh, the story there. So Well, I'm glad you didn't go ahead with it. And you have now published your story. And so could you tell the listeners about the structure of the book? So this condition started for me in 2017. And I know that it's actually healed um, spiritually. I um, still have a couple things uh, that I need to rid myself of in order to for it to manifest here. So um, it's all good. It'll all go away. But, um, you know, a Muslim friend of mine back in 2019, I guess I was talking to him a little bit about some of the stuff on the periphery. And um, he said to me, uh, well, obviously, you needed something that was going to cause you to have this inward journey. Yeah, because when you you know, have this condition, it's hard to read, it's hard to be on the computer, it's hard to do, you know, I'm a very visual person, visual learner, I ride a motorcycle, love riding motorcycles. And all of that takes a lot of it's like, you know, flying a fighter jet, you know, you gotta have situational awareness all the time on everything that you're doing. It's a very kind of meditative way to, um, uh, to drive, you're not distracted by anything. If you're distracted, you'll end up killing yourself. So, um, but I couldn't do any of that with this condition. So um, it ended up I had to learn how to learn from an audiobook. All of that helped. And I talk about this in my book about how all of that process was training me to be able to have the focus and the attention I needed to do to have this inward journey. So anyway, that's described in the book, probably in slightly different terms than that. But yeah, so structure of the book. That's a great question. Uh, so my recommended way to read A Higher Road is read it from cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, and then make a decision for yourself whether or not it makes sense for you. And if it does, then go back and start with some of the science readings that I recommend uh, people read. But if you're familiar with that and you don't want to, you can start directly with step one and follow the seven steps. And then do it methodically and um, take your time with it to actually go through that. Um, so the first part of the book, the book is broken up into five parts. Um, part one of the book is really an overview of what you're going to learn and a setup for the book. Uh, part two of the book, I wrote a memoir of my life. And although I'm a very private person, I wrote it in a very candid way. Uh, and the reason I did that is because what we think and feel and the patterns of thinking and feeling that we adopt and program our subconscious mind with and, and utilize in our conscious mind is what creates every event and every experience that comes into your life. And this will be explained later on. But 
Uh, so I felt it really important for people to understand the progression of my life and the patterns of thinking and feeling that I adopted and I reinforced as I got older that then created various events and things that came into my experience. And uh, so the other reason I did that is I thought, well, if I do that and explain that, which I then close off later on in the book, if people decide they want to do this for themselves, they could use my experience in that memoir as uh, perhaps a template for them to look at their own lives. Uh, the third part of my book is a chapter on consciousness and science and this near-death experience that we've just talked about. And really what it is, it's a chapter designed to open the reader up to a new way to think about consciousness um, based in science. And um, so people that, you know, kind of need that tangible, measurable, believable thing for them to help shift how they think about life. Um, it's provided in this chapter is to open them up to a point where they have an entirely new concept of consciousness to be able to be open to this material that I share in part four of the book. And uh, the material in part four of the book, I call it a blueprint document. I have pulled all of the material I've used together. And for people that decide they want to embark on this journey after reading A Higher Road, and when they get to uh, step two, I provide this material to them for free. Um, I've put it in a PDF. And um, you need to come to this information uh, like a little child, full of wonder, full of joy, and without prejudgment. And so the, my a higher road is designed to try to work to get people to this place where they will be open to looking and reading of this material. And this material is key um, as part of this process of uh, this bridging this gap between spirituality and science. And then in the final part, the part five of the book is um, my personal experience as I went through the seven steps. And, um, and I share all the various things and uh, I share the final um, steps in the process as well in that final chapter. Uh, for people that decide this, after they read A Higher Road cover to cover and decide maybe it's not for them or they're not interested, if you've bought a print copy of the book, I ask that you just pass it on to somebody else or consider passing it on to somebody else without colorful commentary. Because we're all good actors in our environment, we can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person. They might seem very affable and kind, but they might be, you know, an entire mess inside. And so you never know whether this, this message that, you know, didn't work for you right now in this, this part of your life, it might make an entire difference to them and uh, could transform their life. And it might be the biggest gift you give somebody. So I say just please pass the book on and, and let them uh, discover it for themselves. Absolutely. So that's the structure of the book. From all your life experiences, compiling it all together, would you say that you know your purpose? Would you say that you know who you are? Um, yeah, it depends on what you mean by know who I am. Put it this way. Um, I know... I know the difference between our soul and our ego. I know why everybody behaves the way they do. And I know how to, and I now have the knowledge of creation um, in the fleeting shadowy sense that um, 
we need to know in order for us to understand uh, how and why the soul is here, what its purpose is, and its evolution is. And when you know all of this and you know all these me mechanisms in um, the material world and how we use them moment by moment, unknowingly, unwittingly, and ignorantly, um, you can, and then you have this process, you can make a choice for yourself of whether you'd like to change your life or whether you want to carry on with the way you currently are. And that is up to any individual for them to make that um, choice and decision on their own. Okay. I don't That's know good. if that answered your question. <laughs> you know, it does. It's good to have that other perspective because I've been finding that those people that are having these experiences of enlightenment, they then develop or become in tune with their psychic ability or receive downloads of information or obtain a new skill that is beyond what we would consider normal or average for a person. So I was just wondering if your outlook is the same or if it's similar. No, entirely different outlook. So as you so I, and we can talk about this, but when you go through this process, you will at some point feel uh, the inflow of spiritual energy. And as that grows and expands, your awareness changes and um, you will, uh, well, I'll put it this way. I can say this about me. I can't speak for anybody else. I now have mutual and reciprocal communication with the source of our being. And I get inspiration and I get direction and I get guidance about what I need to be doing and what I should be doing for that day. And when that happens, you know that what you've learned, your new knowledge, you know it's true. And when that happens, then you begin this whole journey of transcending your ego and your life totally changes because you know exactly, you know, what this process of creation is and why, why we were created, how we were created, and what our purpose is in life, uh, and what our soul's purpose is. And, um, and when you know all of this, um, your life changes, you know, I view things entirely differently than I did before. This is such a broad term, but what would you say is your spirituality? It's such a broad um, term, but yeah, yeah what do you, you mean by that? Do you have a individual practice or belief? Or would you say that you have a set of specific beliefs from a religion or a community? I find a lot of people actually like to take a little bit of, out of every religion and create their own ideology. And so I was just wondering what your belief is. Do you have a religion or would you call it a spirituality, a connection to the divine? What is your, what would, what would you define as your spirituality? Um, so that's a bigger question then. So, and to give people context versus just that question, let's, let's talk about soul. Let's talk about purpose of the soul and then, you know, kind of things that we need to know. So when you follow these seven steps, you'll understand what there was before the Big Bang. You'll understand the impetus for the Big Bang, and you'll understand how creation how creation came about. You'll understand that the ego is a tool of creation to create individuality out of the wholeness of divine consciousness. Your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness. It is perfect. It is unconditional love. It is pure. 
And when, as we grow from babyhood to adulthood, um, our, we let our egos take control of our life. And through the mechanisms of uh, us- utilizing some specific electromagnetic laws of the universe, we bind down our soul and shut it off from its connection with the divine. And so what do you want to call So universal consciousness is what many call God or Allah or Yahweh or the Tao. doesn't matter what you call it. Divine consciousness is an aspect of universal consciousness. And you'll learn all of this when you, when, in much more detail than I'm giving right now. You, and universal consciousness is the activity part of universal consciousness. And the ego is the tool to create individuality out of the unity of divine consciousness. Mm-hmm. We utilize the laws of the universe um, to create materialized form and uh or universal consciousness does and um so your soul comes here to learn specific lessons and you may have i don't know how many 500 reincarnations a thousand reincarnations i don't know but your soul will be reincarnated in varying genders varying places of origin varying colors of skin varying educational levels Uh, varying religions, varying cultures, and all of these things and varying DNA, and all of these things um, create uh, conditions for you, for your soul to learn lessons that it needs to learn. So we take off the framework of reference of one lifetime, we look at this as the evolution of the soul. And things that you haven't dealt with in a past lifetime, you will come back and they will be mountains for you to deal with in this lifetime. You're, when you're born into a family, you know, the brain develops at age five to be able to make conscious choices on its own. Until that time, all you are is this little sponge that just adopts all of the emotions and the thinking and the uh, patterns of behavior and, you know, your family's um, culture and religion and all of that kind of stuff. That gets mixed with things that you came in with that you need to deal with in this lifetime. At age five, the brain starts to make its own conscious choices and you begin this path of making your own choices of your own beliefs and your own patterns of thinking. And the ego really takes control of this as you program your subconscious mind. And um, and then what we do is when we think, you know, as we're getting older, we're becoming versed in the ways in the world. Really what we're doing is we're binding down our soul and shutting it off from the light from connection with the divine in some lifetime at some point your soul will wake up to understand what it's doing to itself lifetime after lifetime after lifetime and it will recognize and start to f- figure out that it there's a higher purpose that it needs to follow and then it starts to look for paths and ways to 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 get the human consciousness to start to, you know, look for things that are going to help it to, um, to get out of this bondage that it has been placed in by the ego. And so what I'm offering in this book is the, the very path and the new knowledge and the exact process that one can use to actually, um, dissolve these bondages and make connection back with the divine. And when you make connection back with the divine, 
your life becomes divinely inspired. And then you begin this journey of this spiritual awakening and this process um, to transcend your ego. And when you finally transcend your ego, whether it's this lifetime or 10 lifetimes from now, you when you step into the light, after you leave this lifetime, or after you leave that lifetime and the body returns to dust, the soul moves on, it'll step into the light and it won't have to be reincarnated again. And then you begin your real life. You begin your real journey. So we're here on earth in a school to learn lessons that we need to learn and to experience the things that we need to experience in all these varying cultures, religions, genders, colors of skin. Does that give you? A, it does. does. That That's brilliant. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, no, it's exactly what I was was hoping that you would say. And could you elaborate on what you believe consciousness is? How does it work? Okay, so you're going to um, you might <laughs> not you might not totally understand this, and I'm not suggesting your listeners will either. But if you follow this process, you will eventually get this understanding and it will deepen and it will grow the more you follow this process. Most humans think that we are matter imbued with consciousness, but we are not. We are consciousness made visible through the descent of vibrational frequency of electrical particles. Everything that you see that you think is solid or liquid or gas is just consciousness made visible. This earth is consciousness made visible. And right now, this huge consciousness energy ball, the earth, um, there's a new dispensation of energy that is helping us make this transformation and starting this process of spiritual awakening around the globe. And I don't know if it's going to be 10 years or 500 years or a thousand years for this to happen, but it's going to be a process where uh, more and more people become enlightened, more and more people find these paths to connect them back with the divine. And when this happens, we will bring this world into a new era of love and peace. But it can only happen one person at a time. It is a journey within. You can't shop it out. You can't hire somebody else to do the work for you. You have to do this journey within. And when you have, so what I'm offering is when, because this is what's happened to me, and this is the process I offer, the exact same process I went through. When people have this information, this new knowledge, and they follow this process, I believe that they can make their connection back with the divine. And when they start doing that, they can totally transform their lives and they can be part of this process to bring a new era of love and peace around the world. Not everybody that reads my book is going to understand it or even be interested in it. And that's totally fine. It's just not their time. So you definitely think that the time's changing and we are moving towards this awakening experience. Oh, it's Well, I think that's what we're doing. We have a choice, self-annihilation, or make this transition. And I know this transition is divinely ordained and it will happen. But things that have already been put into motion through our individual and our collective thinking must still come into form. It is a law of cause and effect. So stuff that happened 15, 20 years ago is still going to come into form and it may not be very pretty. But if you change your, if you go through this process, no matter what's going on around you, 
you will view the world entirely differently. You'll be have this, you'll be full of this inner peace and love and joy, and you will experience a way less of the strife and the misery and the pain that others may be experiencing. Would you recommend your book to any person that being of any religion, for example, Muslim, Hinduism, uh, Gnostic, an atheist, any age group? The information that I offer transcends all religions. And um, that then becomes up to the individual. Some people that are, you know, devout in their religion, it's part of their ingrained thinking and feeling and beliefs. And some of it they may struggle with because it's going to be, in some cases, probably diametrically opposed to the things that, that they've been taught. For example, we're not here to please God. We are here to express God, and God is unconditional love. There's no God to please. There's no sin. There's no good or bad. It's all unconditional love. It's just what we're experiencing we see as good and bad, and true, right and wrong, and true and false. And when you can actually understand this at a much different level than you currently understand, you totally change your beliefs. And you will totally view the world entirely differently. When I see someone now, I see them as a, uh, their soul as a fragment of divine consciousness. It is equal to my soul. It is unconditional love. And anything that they're doing, which I may consider negative or uh, something I would not choose to do or in the past consider reprehensible, um, I would just, I recognize that their soul is equal to mine. And that it is their ego that's in control and it is their path to the light. It's what they need to experience in order to finally wake up to go through this process. That may be in this lifetime or some future lifetime. And will there be a sequel? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a premonition, if you will, that uh, there will be another book, but it won't be, it might be a couple of years out. And how can people find your book? So it's available globally. Um, and, you know, if it's through bookstores, it might have to be ordered. Um, but you should be able to get it uh, ebook. Uh, you can get it in trade paperback. You can get it in hardcover. You can get it via Amazon. Uh, that's available globally. Through bookstores, it's available globally. But again, you might have to order it and know specifically what you're ordering. What else do you have going on in your world? Any other exciting endeavors? Um, so do you, do you offer any other support or guidance for people? Can people um, certainly contact anybody you? that, yeah, certainly anybody that has a question or, um, you know, is in this process and, uh, I suggest they reach out and they ask questions and I'll do my best to answer them. Um, you know, this really is a, uh, you take this material and if you read it and understand it and you'll learn a meditation. Um, you know, I used to think that purpose of meditation was to lower blood pressure and be calm and be less anxious. And those are all good benefits from it. The real purpose of meditation is to go into the silence and the stillness of the mind to rid yourself of all your thoughts, and to be able to make connection back with the divine. The divine is and or the universal is such a high frequency of vibration, so spiritually refined, it it radiates unconditional love to 
all all of creation always is that we're at such a low level of vibrational frequency we cannot it cannot let it cannot make itself known to us and we have to go through this process to build new brain cells impressed with new knowledge at the top of our head that opening will begin very slowly to me it started at seven months after i began this process right now you put a bowl over my head and down to the bottom of my ears and that's how big that opening is now and when you when you get this opening and you continue in this process this spiritual energy will flow into you and it'll flow into your head and then into your body and then maybe up one side of your body and down the other and maybe go into your chest or your solar plexus. Um, but it's coming through, you know, this portal in your head, so to speak. And when that happens, you will know that the new information, the new knowledge you have is true and real. And it is, um, you know, it is, uh, um, well, it is real. And so you'll know that it's true. And when you get to that point, you know, you don't look back, you just carry on with this process. And it just, and I can tell you, it just keeps getting better and better. Mm. It is like truly magnificent. How can you be 100% sure that what you are feeling and experiencing is positive guidance, and it's pure, not mixed messages or misleading guidance? So um when you go through this process, you will, because you'll understand how and why creation came about and then how we use these tools, you, you gain this new knowledge and that gives you some perspective in things. So anything that I get right now in minutes, so when I meditate every morning between 90 minutes and two hours, and I've done that since 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so I get up like you, I don't, I used to get up at 4.30, but I don't. Now I sleep in a little bit, maybe to 5 or 5.30. And I get up and I, I have a ritual that I go through, you know, coffee. I explain this in my book. Um, and I meditate for 90 minutes to two hours every day without fail. Mm -hmm. It is the most precious and beautiful and joyful time of life because I make this strong connection with the divine and it fills me and it fills me with love and it fills me with peace as it's going through this process to help me cleanse my consciousness and rebuild it. And um, any message I get that is from unconditional love, that is unconditional love, I know is an accurate message. I no longer receive anything that's even doubtful in terms of a negative message. It's all directed at... Um, helping me be a better person to express unconditional love to everyone and everything in my environment. And I'm still a work in progress. I still have a lot of work to do. Um, and it takes time and it takes energy. And, but I tell you, when you begin this process um, and you feel this, you will at some point know that what you're hearing is accurate and true. And, and um, especially with this context of this new knowledge. Would you say that all the spiritual knowledge that you have compiled together to create your book, did you obtain that from your meditations? No, not at all. So, okay. the, the, um, you know, I, I share with people books by other authors that help start to lay this foundation for me to change my beliefs and my understanding of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then I share this uh, book, this near-death experience 
um, uh, by this woman. And I suggest people read that book as well, because it'll really stretch your understanding of consciousness. And, um, you know, she described in her book that as when she was in this coma, she felt like every time she was being attached to her body and the drama going on around her body as her, you know, her mother and her husband were, you know, grieving, um, she would just expand and get bigger. And she felt like she was becoming a part of a rock, a part of a tree, a part of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so she described it as, you know, we are, you know, consciousness is in everything. And what I, as I've told you earlier, that's not totally accurate. We are actually consciousness made visible matter. We are not matter imbued with consciousness. We are consciousness made visible through this descent of vibrational frequency of electrical particles. So, um, then I share this blueprint document, which is, you know, uh, again, came to me. And then anything av as I begin this journey and I went through this process, now I get new information. That new information is not in the book other than my experience of it as I was going through this process. I find after meditation, you go on about your day and then you might meet someone that not necessarily becomes an important person in your life, but they may say or do something that sparks an awareness or changes your way of thinking. Or I go into a bookstore and see a book that might have the words in the title that I heard in my meditation session. Did you experience anything like that? Did you feel as if you were led? Did you have a, a feeling of being led after your meditations and then you connected the dots? Um. So uh, for me, no, what happened was um, I think things were brought to my attention. I wasn't meditating at the time. Okay. Things were brought to my attention that drew my, you know, through my awareness, brought to my attention. And I thought, oh, that'd be an interesting book to read. Okay. And all of this was, I believe, divinely ordained and was part of the plan for me to get to a point where I would accept this um, new information that I was about to receive. So it was part of this, my soul's journey to learn the lessons I need to learn. So I don't know if I said this before, but you know, it's only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. Mm -hmm. And you have to take your frame of reference off a lifetime. You got to look at it from a soul's perspective. So you might have already begun this process in another lifetime, and you might be carrying on with this process in this lifetime, or this may be new to you in this lifetime. You know, I don't know, and it doesn't matter. The point is, mm -hmm. at some point, you wake up and you begin this process, and you need a process and you need knowledge to be able to make this, I believe anyway, that for me, I needed new information, I needed new knowledge, and I needed a specific process to follow that was easy to follow. It takes time, dedication and effort. But if you follow it, you can make this connection with the divine. And when you do, your life changes. Love it, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> and so how can people find you? Are you contactable? Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, so first off, let me go through everything. So the book is called A Higher Road. Cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually. A seven-step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity. It's by D. Neil Elliott. D is the initial to my first name to differentiate me as an author and on the internet. 
So the website is dneilelliot.com. So D-N-E-I-L-E-L-L-I-O-T-T.com. All my social media links are on there. And quite frankly, I've been doing more podcasts than worrying about social media at this point. But um, uh, the book's available on Amazon globally, uh, in print or ebook. Uh, it's available on Apple ebook, Kindle, Nook, Kobo, and it's available in print, uh, Amazon, uh, or through bookstores. Uh, so that's the best way to find me is through the website. I think these days, if you do a search on D. Neil Elliott, it probably a Google search, my name will come up somewhere in there. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for connecting with me today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And yeah, I hope everything goes well for you over in Canada. I'm sure it is. And things are just getting better and better. And I'm sure it will worldwide eventually. <laughs> eventually. Is it, I agree. It will. Is there anything that you would like to, to give my listeners something, something uh, yeah, a little tip? Um, so I, I think no matter where you are in life, whether you're ill or healthy, happy, depressed, poor or wealthy, you can totally transform your life. You just, you just need to be open and then have um, a process with some new knowledge and uh, a specific process to follow. And, and I'll tell you that if, if you follow it, you can totally change your life, no matter where you're at. Okay, great. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, all the best to you and everybody in Australia, not only in Perth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, that concludes the conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll also leave the links of how you can reach out to Neil Elliott. And I also thought I would leave you with another quote from Nikola Tesla, or for you Europeans out there, Nikola Tesla. What we now want is closer contact and better understanding between individuals and communities all over the earth. The elimination of egoism and pride, which is always prone to plunge the world into primeval barbarism and strife. Peace can only come as a natural consequence of universal enlightenment. So please, people, be kind to one another. With an open heart, an open mind, live your life and be free. Thanks for tuning in.